Auzubillahiminashaitanirrajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim It is narrated that the Holy Qur'an was preserved in oral tradition and that whenever a verse was revealed to the Holy Prophet wasallam, then he would memorize it himself and then teach it to his companions and have his sahaba memorize it. And not only that, but he would instruct on exactly which place in the Holy Qur'an it was to be placed. And so in this way, every verse of the Holy Qur'an and its exact placement within the Holy Qur'an was preserved in the life of the Holy Prophet and reviewed repeatedly throughout his life through revelation and also repeated under the supervision of the Prophet in his, his teaching it to the Sahaba and listening to the Holy Qur'an from his Sahaba again and again to ensure that it was properly and completely preserved. Now, the oral tradition of the Holy Qur'an is something that has existed directly from the time of the Prophet ﷺ up until today. And even if the written tradition had never been preserved, it would make absolutely no difference. Because from his time up until now, there have been thousands and thousands in every generation who have memorized every syllable of the Holy Qur'an from front to back. Muslims recite it daily throughout their lives, in their prayers, as a part of any kind of religious gathering. And any time a person makes a mistake of even one syllable in their prayer or in any recitation, then there is someone there who corrects it. And among the hufaz, this level of scrutiny has always been sustained and maintained. So this is the principle on which the preservation of the Holy Qur'an is based. And this is also why when the question of preserving the physical copy of the Holy Qur'an, of having all of the physical manuscripts compiled into one volume was raised, then Hazrat Abu Bakr was hesitant because he did not wish to embark on a task which the Holy Prophet himself had not done. And it was only on the insistence of Hazrat Umar that it was important as a secondary means of preserving the Holy Qur'an that he agreed to do so. So this hesitation of his also shows that the written record of the Holy Qur'an is only secondary. It is not out of necessity. It is, there is no need for it. If it had never existed, then it would, the Holy Qur'an would still be preserved just the same. It was simply there as a precaution, a precaution by which the oral tradition and the written tradition would be uh, preserved so that the written tradition could always be there as a means of facilitating its memorization and also to prevent, God forbid, the oral tradition from ever being lost. And we know throughout history that the fears of Hazrat Umar were never realized and it, there never came a time when the number of Hufaz came down to such a point where their existence was ever threatened or ever even close to being threatened. Now on the preservation of the physical text of the Holy Qur'an, there are some misunderstandings that arise, which is that in the beginning, in the records, the dots were not there nor were the harkat there. It was only in later manuscripts that the dots were added and then much later that the harkat were added. So here the question arises that if <clears throat> these symbols and these points were not there from the beginning, then how is it that we know that every syllable and every point of the Holy Qur'an is direct revelation from Allah Almighty and that there is no discrepancy between them? The reason why this misunderstanding and question arises is because of a failure to understand the value and the reality of the oral tradition. The fact is that every single syllable, every single harkat, Every dot has existed from the first day. Whether it was recorded in writing or not is only secondary. It is irrelevant. It is completely irrelevant. 
For example, when we recite the verse that Alhamdulillah, then when we say it orally, when we teach it to someone orally, every single harkat is there. If the harkat were not there, then we wouldn't know whether the alif has an a sound or an e sound or a u sound. So when we say Alhamdulillah, in that oral tradition, every single harkat is already there. When we say Rabbil Alameen, every single dot is there. We know that it is a ba because the letter ba is what is pronounced. That is the ba that is now symbolized with one dot underneath it. We know it's not a ta, we know it's not a tha. So the second we say rab, then we know where the dots are, what the exact letter is. When we say alameen, we know that there is a ya there, which now is symbolized with two dots underneath it. So whether the harkat were recorded or the dots were recorded at the time of the written transcript at the time of the Holy Prophet wasallam, or a thousand years, or even if, even if they had never been recorded, they existed from day one within the oral tradition. So this question of whether the harkat and the dots were there, whether it affects the authenticity of the Holy Qur'an, it comes from a fundamental failure to understand the nature of oral tradition. Now this is something that we find example of in the Urdu language, which is particularly a similitude for Arabic, and also to an extent in English as well. In Urdu, when we read a sentence, then there's no need for any harkat to be there, because we all know exactly what the sentence is. When we read a revelation in Urdu from Tazkirah, or one of the sentences from Ruhani Khazayev, or what Hazrat Masimah wrote, then as we read the sentence, we automatically fill in the harkat because we are familiar with the language. It is only someone who is unfamiliar with the language who would need the harkat to be there in order to know how to pronounce it. In fact, that is why in Ruhani Khazayev, sometimes when difficult Urdu word, words come, or a Persian word finds itself that is difficult in the Urdu text, then the publisher will add the harkat there just to facilitate the people who are reading it so they don't mistakenly mispronounce it. But otherwise, for the words that are known and understood, there's no need for harkat there. So when we say a sentence, in, or when we say a revelation, that then we don't need a harkat there to know how to pronounce me or teri. We don't mispronounce teri or we don't mispronounce tablik. Even though it doesn't say that there's a... a a sound on the tabligh or a e sound on the tabligh, but we automatically know how to pronounce the word tabligh. But now it might happen that 100 years or 500 years from now, when the majority of Muslims are not from South Asia or from non not, not native Urdu speakers, so at that time there may be a need to put harkat on the writings of Ruhani Khazayin to facilitate it for them, to put harkat in all of the revelations of Tazkirah to facilitate the reading for those who are not native. So, in the same way that hundreds of years after, when more most of the adherents of Islam became non-Arabs. There was a need for harkat on the Arabic, even though the Arabs never needed it. So also, this also may happen with the language of Urdu. Now in English, we have a similar similitude to an extent that when we read English, there's a lot of unnecessary information on the page that at times can slow us down. This is why it's found that if we take a paragraph and remove all the vowels from it, then we can still read it. These kind of experiments have been done. If you've received those kinds of messages or seen those kinds of texts um, in articles where you know this concept is described, then if we take an English paragraph and remove every single vowel, we'll be surprised and we can read it very easily. In fact, what was found in one study is that if we took a paragraph and scrambled the letters of each and every word, just completely randomly scrambled it, then even then a person was able to very easily read that paragraph. When you see that paragraph, it initially it seems like a jumble of gibberish. But when we start reading it, we, we were surprised to find that we can recognize what each and every word is. The reason is that our mind first looks at the word as a whole. 
not at the individual letters. And so when we see the word as a whole, even though the letters might be scrambled, but we're immediately able to recognize what that word is, and we're able to read that paragraph. In fact, it may even improve our ability to speed read. Because when we concentrate too much on the letters, in each individual letter in the word, a lot of times that slows us down. We're processing too much information and unnecessary information. So when the word letters in a word are scrambled, we break that habit of looking at every letter in the word, and instead we look at words as a whole. This takes us one step forward towards coming to a later stage of speed reading where we look at words in clusters. We look at a group of words and we can skim more easily. So when a person is able to develop the capacity to skim read, then they're able to read several words by skimming over them or read line by line just by very quickly giving an overview of it and to filter out the irrelevant and unnecessary information that is there in those sentences. So this is something that exists in English. When a person is proficient, when a person is fluent in English, they don't need all of the letters. They don't need the vowels. They don't need the vowel points. They don't even need the letters to be in the right order. The person, just by looking at the text, knows what words are there from experience and from their general knowledge. So this is the way that language works. It's not exclusive to one language, but it is a broad principle. So now when we take these concepts as we understand them already and bring it back to the Arabic language, it is very easy to understand how it finds special application with the Holy Qur'an. Being to memorize the Holy Qur'an was very common among the Muslims. This was something that just about all the Muslims took pride in doing in memorizing vast sections of the Holy Qur'an. There were many, many hufas. So when a script of the Holy Qur'an was put before them just as a means of facilitating its reading, then they didn't need any harkat or any vowel points in the same way that we, with our familiarity with Surah Al-Fatiha, if someone were to put Surah Al-Fatiha in front of us, Without any harkat or any dots, we wouldn't have any difficulty reading it because we already know it, we're already familiar with it. The entire vocabulary of the Holy Qur'an is in Surah Al-Fatiha, which repeats itself time and time again. So this is the uh, concepts that are important to be familiar with when entering a discussion on the subject of the written preservation of the Holy Qur'an. And when we explain these points, it is important to explain to people these concepts of language that are universal. It's not a religious concept, it's a secular concept. It's a point on linguistics that applies across languages. And also to explain that the preservation of the Holy Qur'an according to Islam is an oral tradition. If a person tries to make an objection against the Holy Qur'an by starting with the assumption that the primary means of preservation of the Holy Qur'an is the written tradition and that is the standard, we should reject it outright. Because that's a bidat. It's something that Hazrat Abu Bakr rejected outright. Assuming that this would be a primary means of preservation, he rejected it. He said, how can I do it when the Prophet Muhammad did not do it? He only adopted it as a secondary thing. So when we argue for and when we explain the preservation of the Holy Qur'an from a religious perspective, it is explained and it is founded on its oral tradition. And when we appreciate it from that perspective and we see it within that historical context and within the linguistic context, we can see how the preservation of the Holy Qur'an is something that is unquestionable. It is unprecedented. There is nothing even remotely similar in the history of literature, in the history of the entire world. And this is why the Holy Qur'an has very much earned the name that it has been given by Allah Almighty, which is the book that is often recited. To the extent to which it is memorized and recited by the sheer number of Muslims throughout their lives, throughout the generations, is one of the miracles of the Holy Qur'an. And this, uh, one of the, 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 the preservation of the Holy Qur'an is just an expression 
one of the expressions or one of the manifestations of the glory of this miracle of the of the, of the Quran in its name of, is a book that is oft recited. So with these points, we'll end today's dars. And if anyone has any questions, then we can briefly address it. <laughs>